Hello and welcome to the White Girl Awakening Podcast. I'm Lauren Sellers and in this season of the podcast, Jennifer Barnes and I are so excited to be partnering with our friends, Paula Danielle and Cherish Faith. We can't wait to learn from their experiences and listen to what black women want white women to know. Paula serves at Forest Hill Church as an associate pastor. She also consults with various organizations around issues regarding race, culture, and curating personal and organizational transformation. Her daughter, Cherish Faith, is a freshman at UNC Pembroke and is passionate about justice. We can't wait for you to learn from them, so let's jump into this conversation. So, Jen and Lauren, we've talked a lot about sister to sister, and we just, we wrapped up a segment on white woman tears, and we talked a lot about white women and giggling. Um, Help me out. Help a sister out. (laughs) Um, Let's turn the table for a second, and from white woman to black woman, woman, from sister to sister, help us understand the giggles. Tell me how you've experienced the white girl giggles. I feel like there we need. Is. I feel like we need a TikTok dance called there White Girl is. Giggles we need now. A dance white girl giggles. So like, if something is uncomfortable in the room, or they're getting ready to say something true but hard, they they, they tend to lighten it with a giggle. You just did it. Lighten it with a giggle, and so and then and then you say something hard. You go, huh? And I'm like, why? It, it is to soften it. I think we have to talk about the patriarchy mm-hmm. that we sit under with all our privilege. We're still not the top of the totem pole. Yeah. And especially in Southern culture, I was talking to Cherish about this docu-series that both of us have been watching on Netflix called Keep Sweet. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it hits on this a little bit, but this idea of women being sweet yeah. is, is very different than women being kind. And so we have this cultural expectation mm. when we're experiencing uncomfortable situations for ourselves, when we ourselves are having to diminish who we are in the presence of patriarchy we soften that for ourselves with a little bit of a giggle to fall in line with the expect the cultural expectation that we've been conditioned to Mm. and when you bring it up it actually causes me to be a little upset with myself okay that i've fallen in line with that but for a very long time and I think I've even put a post out about it within the last year. It bothered me that I wasn't sweet. <laughs> I, I, I've always had this understanding that whatever it would require of me to be sweet, as my culture defines it, yes. the context that I grew up within, was going to cause something within me to not be authentic. And so I would just get quiet in order to remain authentic because I, I was at least not going to force myself to be something I wasn't. I just became, I just wasn't going to be able to be who I was. And so the giggle is actually 
part of that culture where we're trying to, even though we understand we can't be who we are, we're trying to maybe not be what we're not. That's a lot. I know. You can't I know. be who you are, but you can't be what you're, you don't want to be who you're not. Yeah. So you just sit in silence. That's what I That's do. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. But I obviously have the giggle because I did it right at the beginning of this thing yeah. when yeah. we're uncomfortable. Yeah. So it's, it's, you all use the word defense mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. Lauren, do you see that? Do you find that? I do. I, do. I, I definitely do. And sometimes it is very intentional. Okay. There's a lot of times for me, it may not even be connected to diminishing myself. It's just a response, like an automatic response to something uncomfortable. Or maybe you share an example where you have encountered white women giggle Mm -hmm. and it was like, what is happening? Can you give us a scenario? I mean... So, so there was a conversation with a white woman that would be called a pastor in, in a certain level of, of position if she was a man, but she was called a director. Yep. And the reason given was not because she was a woman, but because she wasn't ordained. So but they said, we don't call you pastor. We can't call you pastor because you're not ordained. Her response was, there are several men in this room who are not ordained that we call pastor. <laughs> I, and so she giggled at the end of her comment to try to soften it. Yeah. And I'm sitting right next to her and I'm like, but that, that that's not funny. Yeah. And so, and so I see the defense mechanism in that because she, she served up a hard truth and then, like, she softened it. To let them off the hook. There it is. She softened it to let them off the hook. That's yeah. exactly what it is. Yeah. Because she she understands her place. Mm. And it's it's honestly very sad. It is very sad. That's she understands sad. her place. And she understands that if she doesn't soften it, what she'll lose. Yeah. But she still got to say what she needed to say. She just didn't get to say it and let it land in a way that it was really going to make a change. Because it didn't. he knew he was let off the hook. Wow. And in that moment, she probably couldn't articulate that. The times that I've giggled, and in that moment, I couldn't tell you that I was soft trying to soften it. Yeah. It was that I was so uncomfortable mm-hmm. with going against the status quo that it was my automatic response. Now, what's interesting is I've learned how to giggle, and it's not an automatic response. It is intentionally to soften it. Wow. Because because I've lived in this space with with the with the women who can giggle, and so I'm like, ah. I can use that. That's how I can use that. I can use that. So we, so where my previous weapons were like the facts. Bring the facts. No one can argue against numbers. Keep your emotions out of it. Right, so that's how as black women we make it. Keep your emotions out of it. Mm. When you're talking to black men, they don't want to hear all your emotions. Bring your facts. Lay out the facts in a respectful way, and you you might get you'll get further that way. Right, that is the exact opposite. Yep. When you're dealing with white patriarchy. Yep. You bring the emotion, and you leave the facts. Yep. So that you cry, you giggle, whatever. 
so almost so that like like we talked about Jen so, so that the, so that right. the rescue can happen you're absolutely right wow. I'm gonna give this example Y'all. I'm gonna give this example um so I I have several successful real estate companies um I I do a lot of renovation projects every single industry my companies are in are very male dominant okay and they're all in the south and so I know when I have to code switch mm-hmm. when I walk onto a job site yeah. and I'm going to deal with any of the male contractors, I already know what I'm going to need to do. And it's going to need to be sweet. Okay. Even though I'm not sweet. Right. I'm going to need them to help me. Got it. Ooh, I Got always it. ask for help. Wow. Even when I understand, I'll say, oh, can you... Can you help me with this, even if I know the thing I need them to do? Can I tell y'all, I Instead had the just biggest fallout with a manager when I stopped asking for his help. Yeah. When yeah. I stopped asking for his help, it is like we were not people anymore. And I was like, what happened? And and one of the white women that I had worked with at this job, she said, when's the last time you asked him for help? You need to be more dependent on others for help. It's like, but I can do it. She said, uh-uh. Be more dependent. I was, wow. She was trying to give you the recipe. She was. She was. And I've done it wrong enough to realize that I don't have time to do it wrong sometimes. That's so unfortunate. And so I've just got to do it the way it needs to be done if, if I want to move the project along. And so I, I just know I need to walk in there a damsel in distress versus giving directives for something to happen in such a way that it needs to happen. Can we move past this? I have several real estate companies and I have a lot of men who work for me. And within the cultural context of my own companies, I've been able to restructure that. And it is a different power dynamic because I'm the one paying the people. Right. Um, However, I don't diminish them either. I didn't do a role reversal. Right. It's just all in how you create culture within the framework of an organization. But when you're dealing on a contractor basis, Mm -hmm. it's really difficult to create culture. It is. You just have to decide what hill do I want to die on. Yeah. And oftentimes I give them what they need in order to get what I need. Yeah. Which helps me understand when you're saying a lot of the racial examples that you're giving me, I have an empathy point to draw mm-hmm. from. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a strong, capable woman who right. has a voice. Right. And it's been diminished to such an extent that I've literally had to go to trauma therapy to regain it. Wow. And so to walk on job sites and have to re-enter that to a certain extent is somewhat difficult in some cases. And I was telling you the example um, of having a, we had a project going on at our personal home. Yes. And I managed the whole project because that's my world. Yes. And uh, off a lot of the vendors and contractors were people that I knew. Um, but one of the contractors didn't know us. I think someone else had referred them. And I, I guess he walked onto the site and thought, I'm just the wife that has a lot of opinions. And so the demeanor of our interactions off the get-go was a little off. I needed the thing to get done so we could get to the next thing 
And so I was just kind of going into the rhythm of what needed to get done. And um, so I went in to check on the situation. It was hot in the house. And I said, man, it's hot in here. He said, yeah, get me a drink. (laughs) And I said, huh? He said, I need need a drink. And I said, yeah, I can get you something to drink. And I turned around, and as I was going to get him something to drink, he said, make it cold. No, please. No, there was never a request. It was commands, and I'm thinking, I am literally the foreman on this site. You are here because I hired you to do a project that I'm paying you to do. And this is typically not the way those interactions work. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't articulate that in the moment, but that, I literally had to go away from that and process it with the Lord and say, can you help me break this down? Yeah. Because I know it wasn't right. Right. And I know how it hit me shouldn't have been the way it was thrown at me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But will you help me break it down? Mm-hmm. And it, that, that was almost 12 years ago. Wow. And so that was actually the moment that I began to deconstruct the amount of patriarchy. It was someone that I had hired to do a job that I felt the need to kick into gear and obey. And that is the result (laughs) of patriarchy. Yeah. Funniest thing about this conversation is that when I first met you, Jen, that is the first thing I noticed. I was that you don't play the sweet role. And it caught me completely off guard. I I look like like, a sweet white girl, don't I? Yes. (laughs) She looks so sweet. But as soon as I heard her tone of voice, I was like, oh, she's serious. She's playing zero games right now. Zero games. And I was like so, I'm still highly intimidated by Jen. I'm sure everyone is. But I was like so intimidated by Jen. And now, and I had no idea why, but now I do. You don't fall into the sweet role. Well, I think that having trauma in my childhood played into that. And so I've had to process through a lot of that. And I can identify with a strong black woman because mm-hmm. I've had people tell me that I'm the strongest woman they know. Yeah. And I think, well, you don't know how tender I am inside. Mm-hmm. And yes. when I hear you're the strongest woman I know or you're the strong one, I hear someone say, you don't need certain essentials. Or you don't have feelings. Uh, yes. Or, yeah. You don't need to yeah. be tended to. Yeah. And I think they actually do mean that. Yeah, I think so, too, to some degree. And I think that's why there is often such a big chasm between black women and white women, because you're conditioned to show up strong yes, to survive. Yeah. And we are told to survive, you better not be strong. So we see your strength, and we think you're showing up whole in a way we don't get to, when in reality you're not getting to show up whole and tender. And we're playing tender when we're strong. Wow. Lauren. And so I, and I've been in those relationships with black women and the way they showed up really rubbed me the wrong way. And I had to do a lot of work to figure out why and to unpack that because they even seemed to love themselves in a way that I didn't feel okay with loving myself. The competition from sister to sister 
and sister mm. to sister is real and has our society patriarchy history chauvinism has made has made that palpable between us but i think part of the hope for this project um, from sister to sister and what black women want white women to know and in this last segment the reverse really helps us hone in that if we can look into the systems that have developed certain behaviors in us and in our counterparts then we can get past those systems to love each other well into a more whole space. I love it. I'm here for it. Thanks so much for listening to the White Girl Awakening podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation, we would love for you to join our community by following us on Instagram and Facebook at White Girl Awakening. You can help more people learn about this podcast by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.